<laughs> We're on. We're on, and we are back. It is episode 56 of The Greatest Show in the World, the only show you should ever watch, listen to, join, be a part of. Maybe we'll start a cult following, make you drink some Kool-Aid. We don't know yet. It is The Wild Times, episode 56. I am your host, Forrest Galante. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Patrick DeLuca, the producer. Hey. What's up, Patrick? I usually go third. Uh, it's, That's true. It feels like a real treat. Like, I feel special today. I, I'm I great. I it up. I'm way better now. Yeah, I like that. You're number two in my book. And number three, great. Mr. Ratep. Peter, how are you? You look angry already. What's going on, professor? <laughs> I mean, Pat's literally like looking down in his lap. He just stuck a piece of Nicorette in. He's very prepared for the podcast. Uh, it's Nic- the only reason I look angry. Nic- Nicorette is made out of gum. Do you see me chewing gum? It's Would you just mi- stick in your in your little meager mouth, you little bitch? Wow, we are getting this off to an aggressive start. Come on, what'd you put in there? Some mint. What is that? A nice mint. Ah, fucking mint. You needed one. I could smell your breath here. Hey. Relax. Glad to be here. All right. Well, uh, if this is your first time tuning in. real quick. Yeah. Forrest, are you wearing a rugby jersey? What's going on there? Yeah. Dude, rugby started up again. Everybody's vaccinated. The world's coming back into order. So I'm going from the podcast to play some rugby and then to the bar where I will be until 2 a.m. Here's, here's my prediction. Yeah. Because I know you've got another little expedition coming up. I do. I do. You are going to get absolutely smeared, creamed, no. playing rugby, and you're going to dislocate a finger, which <laughs> is not going to keep you from going on your expedition. But then you're going to go to the bar and drink a boot full of beer and fall backwards off a table and break your tibia, <laughs> thus not allowing you to go to Africa. You know what's funny is that that's that's a prediction. However, that is also a recap of something I have done in the past. So you're not, <laughs> okay, fair you're not wildly off. Um, that's uh, look, it's possible. I, I'm not. I wouldn't advertise to my employers that I'm currently going to play rugby four days before I leave for a. <laughs> Might as well uh, put it out on the most popular podcast in the country. Yeah, then whatever, dude. <laughs> whatever. Is he on Rogan? You going on Rogan today too? This podcast, you dummy. It's the number one in the world. Uh, didn't yeah. you know? That's right. Yeah. 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 All right. We just got a $600 million offer from Spotify. We did, and we turned it down because we knew how much bigger we'd be. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to tell you guys. I just turned it down. Smart. Yeah, don't waste our time with pitiful things like that. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, look, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the Wild Times podcast. It's not just angry Ratep and us talking bullshit. We get into wildlife, science, adventure news, all kinds of good stuff. And if you're listening on iTunes, we have a YouTube channel. It's lots of fun. You can look at our faces. We keep saying we're going to get together and do stuff, and then everybody has stuff coming up, but we are working on it. We are getting together to start filming things and putting it out on a little platform called Patreon. Right? Patreon. I don't know much about it. very exciting. Other than it's going to be fun and it's going to keep the podcast going, which is pretty exciting because, well, we started this over a year ago as a means to hang out and have a drink, and it's uh, it's come a heck of a long way. Yeah, man. Yeah, now you, yeah. Now well, you guys are drinking coffee. I'm still drinking. You're having like a LaCroix. Fuck you guys. I got rugby I got after a, this. Dude, I got a, I got a Starbucks because I needed to order coffee from Uber Eats today. And I added two shots to my grande iced Americano. It <laughs> tastes like an ashtray. Yeah. Like, that's I already so feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, jittery. Well, Ooh. I want to I start things off on a happy note because yes. there's yeah. a story that I'm going to get into in a little bit that's going to cause us to rant. Ratep's face is going to turn purple. I'm going to be screaming. Uh, purple. 
right. I've got an animal. Right, I've got an animal news? mystery for y'all. Starting yes. it off. Yeah, baby. Let's Coming out it. on a Here good note. Well, I've been to British Columbia. Have you been there, Forrest? I have. It's quite lovely. Ratep? Of course not. It's, it's okay, in Canada, Ratep, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. not Britain. America's yeah. top hat. Yeah. Yes. yes. So in <laughs> British Columbia, sort of up north, um, north of Vancouver, beautiful country up there. Lots of pine trees, right? Indeed. Got some redwoods, all kinds of beautiful Very stuff. Very cold. Very yeah. beautiful. Very beautiful. So here's the setting of our animal mystery. So you've got this town. There's about 900 people who live in this small town, right? Everyone's working from home. It's COVID. Canada's way behind on the vaccine, by the way. Like I've nobody's been vaccinated up I've there. I've heard that. And they're having spikes uh, and it's getting bad up there. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking mess, man. They, they have not handled it particularly well. Anywho, everyone's working from home. They wake up for work on a Monday morning. The Internet's down. Everyone's Internet in the entire town is down. It's the end of times. This is an animal mystery. So (laughs) I'm not going to give you any more details once you're just top of the head guess before I give you some pertinent details. Let let me take one. Let me take one real quick. Uh, this 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 sounds like the activity of a malicious beaver who took down yeah. either. Ritep, this uh, is this is an animal mystery. We're not talking about your ex, okay? <laughs> <laughs> malicious beaver, very funny, Thank very you. funny. Thank you. Please continue. Not as funny as me. Don't make jokes. <laughs> um, so, a beaver has taken down some type of. Uh, it's either a tree or or, or like a uh, a pole that has electronics on it, and it took out the internet cables that okay. are feeding this So he's town. going with a big, nasty, orange-toothed beaver has eaten one of the poles that holds a line. Forrest, okay. any initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my initial thought is they must have Cox Cable, and if you're listening to this, Cox Cable, <laughs> screw you, because my internet's out constantly. Um, yeah. But behind that, bad. it's Spectrum. Canada. I don't even think they have above-ground power lines and internet. I think they're more modern than we are, and it's all in the ground. So, so that's that's a good thought. Am all I right the poles or wrong? are intact. There's not. They're not worried about poles because the internet runs through a cable that is three feet underneath the earth. Aha! Aha! Naked mole rat. Naked mole rat. <laughs> uh, oh man, I was gonna say like a moose. Did something, but it's not three three feet underground. All right, I'm what gonna go. Digs? I'm gonna go with a badger. I'm gonna go a badger. Dug oh. a burrow, found it. They <laughs> gnaw on stuff. Badgers are crazy. Um, they. I feel like badgers do things for no apparent reason, like chew through cables. So I'm making sure. this up, but sure. I'm guessing badger. It could yeah. be. We talked about the pygmy, the pygmy mole rat uh, last week that eats 125 percent of its body weight. It could be a pygmy mole rat that just ate the whole internet. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going to give you one more clue. So Forrest, okay. you're, you're, you're on the right track. Ooh. Uh, it's three feet underground, but the cable is surrounded by a four and a half inch in diameter uh, metal cable conduit. Oh, wow. oh, so it's wow. got a four and a half inch in diameter. That's a big ass piece of metal that yeah, that's ridiculous. the cable. So, I mean, jeez, what kind of animal? Four and a half inches? That's crazy. <laughs> Big conduit. Look, my guess is, my guess is, it was underground. It rusted through. I'm not saying an animal got through that, 
and then in came either a bee, uh, yeah, what, what, did, what did I say? A, a, a badger. A badger. You said a beaver. That's right. A badger, badger or maybe a, a beaver. ferret maybe a team. or some other kind of mustelid that just wrecked shop for no reason, tore it to pieces. That's my guess. I would never guess animal mystery, period, for this, but that's my guess. Sure. Yep. It was a beaver. You were co- absolutely correct. It was Her a tap. beaver. It, so they found a nearby beaver dam, and the beaver that built it had was digging underground for whatever reason. I didn't really know beavers did that. Um, but it chewed through the conduit in seven different places. Oh, my God. So there were seven wow. different spots where this thing decided. He chewed through a four-and-a-half-inch diameter piece of metal six times and was like, I need to do that one more time. <laughs> That's real fun. He's getting a, te- a tooth workout, man. Ritep, He's just look working at out you those coming teeth. in out of the gate with the beaver pick, too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Let me ask you I, this. I mean, I definitely... Yeah. For, Forrest, what, what's your general take on your life depends on it you versus a beaver. Oh, it's it's not good. I would win, I think. I think any of us would, but you're not coming out of that very intact. I mean, they are ferocious. I remember Jeff Foxworthy tells, you guys remember uh, Blue Collar Comedy <laughs> Tour? <laughs> yeah. You know the story yeah. I'm about to tell? Do you remember, you know no. the joke I'm about no. to recycle? All right, so <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy does this stand-up bit, and he's, and, he te- and he's telling this as a story. It's not a stand-up bit. Um, he's just telling it as a story and he goes I finish my set and I come off the stage and this guy comes up to me and he goes I gotta tell you about the time I lost my nipple he's like well (laughs) excuse me and long story short this guy's driving down a road at night hits an animal animal veers off into the ditch beside the road guy pulls over he's like I'm gonna go get that and skin it make me a hat and uh, goes down into the ditch picks up this beaver (laughs) Thanks, Will. Good, good Jeff Foxworthy pull. Uh, <laughs> Look at his shirt. Look at that shirt. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful such 90s a dad material. Shirt. Um, yeah, picks up like this, this beaver that he thought he had killed with the uh, with his truck. The thing snaps back to life, lunges forward, and takes his nipple clean off. The guy Jeff Foxworthy says the guy pulled his shirt up and showed it to him. He was nippleless on one side. His nipple was gone. <laughs> And so it, that's, that's from a, a that beaver that's good. been struck by a vehicle that was able to do that Listen, in one foul swoop. So I think, if these, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Ritev. If these beavers are able to are able to, you know, chew through four and a half inch diameter metal steel casings, I, I wouldn't want to fuck with it. And I don't think I would win for us. I think I would lose. Ritev, look, everybody, I'd... everybody here knows you don't smash a lot of beaver. Okay. So there's no, there's no argument there. Like you we know you wouldn't all win. All day with this shit. What? That's funny. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys I should, I should not have brought up beaver, beaver on yeah. this yeah. show. Yeah. No, that was yeah, your right. is in rugby this. mode. He's really broing out already. Yeah, it's, it's, by the way, I, I just wanted to mention my, you know, Forrest, you can't drink. So don't pretend you're going to be at the bar after the rugby today till 2 a.m. doing what? Do well. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh God. All right. All right. <laughs> but what's your point? Right, what do you so got for us? That was your point. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's I mean, continue. You know, um, we saw you after you. There's, up there's some the good news. stuff in the news. I definitely think we should dig into that. But I also saw some Brosner DMs, and WT Willie got real excited, and he's like, "Guys, don't watch the Eagle thing. Let me show it to you. <laughs> Have you guys clicked it? Have you seen it?" Nope. I haven't nope. watched it. Let's go. I haven't even looked at the show doc. Yeah, I, I don't even know what it's all about. He just said, don't watch it. He wants us to watch it live. 
So what did we, we had, we, we used to call this a segment until YouTube started threatening to demonetize us. What did we call it when we did a video review? Uh, Darwin Awards? Or? No, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Darwin know. Awards. All right, let's see this thing, Will. What's it all about? So we've got a guy in a cowboy hat and a, uh, I think a falconry glove, and he's walking towards a pile of something. A pile of something. All right, so you got a lot bunch, of minivans. Bunch of cars in a field. field. Oh, big shit. Bird. It's a big golden eagle that just took down a kid? A human Is that child? A kid? Oh, my God. A guy comes over on a... The Marlboro Man enters on his horse. Holy shit, yeah. Anybody else no, that was a Golden Eagle that just was took a down a kid. Oof. The kid's Yikes. Fr- the kid appears to be, like, okay, the kid walks away. Okay, so... Did the Golden a- Eagle just try to take the eight-year-old? Yeah. Like, yep. like yes, we discussed? exactly what like happened. Like we talked yeah. about? Yep. Dude, it literally did. That's yep. insane. Because, by the way... All right, before Forrest weighs in on this, because I've got some questions. So there's a bunch of cars out in a field. It looks like some sort of gathering. People are doing something. Some people are on horses. I would say that girl is seven. Yeah. A seven-year-old human girl girl is just walking across the field, getting ready for probably to eat some potato salad or something. (laughs) And a fucking golden eagle comes in. About five feet off the ground, and it's swimming, or it's it's flying horizontally right at her. And where does it grab her by? Just nails her right in the shoulders. She puts her head down. It grabs her by the shoulders, and look at it. Tries to take off. It's flapping its wings. Right up. It really is. She, she it is. It's she did the to right thing there. She she balled up and went to the ground. Dead make, weight. Dead Oof. weight. Right. So the thing that scares me about that, and I is you know, so golden eagles will kill. Um, coyotes, like they'll take big, like pretty big animals, deer, everything else, and a lot of that is done by the impact of them hitting the golden eagle with basically, you know, four knives on either hand. They're big talons, so it's lucky that Yikes. that. What I'm seeing is that they were doing falconry here, and this eagle was like, mmm, a, a, a tasty snack. I don't think this is a wild bird. I think that the I think cowboy right. guy with yeah. the glove was doing some falconry, but. Still scary. I bet she got torn up by its talons. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's got to be that's like what a I was fucking ask. Yeah. What? Uh, how much damage would those talons do if, if they grabbed grabbed you on the shoulders? Yeah, he comes Probably in as much as a beaver would. No, a lot for sure. I mean, he doesn't hit her hard. Do you see what I mean? Right. Like when you watch this, he <laughs> hovers for a sec before because he's confused, right? Here's almost what I think happened. Right, this kid. It's a falconry thing. This bird probably, like, had some kind of little brain glitch where it was like, I'm going back to my owner, food owner. And then in that moment where it went food, you know, it, it kind of looked at this girl weird and kind of tackled her, so to speak, and then went back to like, oops, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And I think that's kind of what, what you're seeing here. Because if this was an actual predatory attempt, that girl would be shredded. You know, that eagle would have dive-bombed her at 40 miles an hour. Right. Talons would have ripped through her shoulders. He would have started pecking at her. You know, it would have been really bad. And I don't think well, that's you know, what we're yeah. seeing here. You know that guy started fucking screaming commands at that bird the second he saw him. And that's like when your dog is doing something in the kitchen, you're in the other room, and then you come in and it's like, what? Oh, shit. And then it's caught. Because... 
I mean, yeah, dude, but they're, like dude, the they're not. I, I've done falconry. I mean, not that I'm experienced at it, but it's not like your dog. You don't you don't go sit, heel, stay. You know, you go out hunting no, with know. these birds, and they just kind of go and do their thing. Well, right, but I mean, you, you said though that like it, it like realized it fucked up and it didn't go full force on, on the sure. kid. Why? I yeah. mean, why do you think that is? Like, just because it knows that? Yeah, like I said, I was, think there was a little glitch going on where it was like going back to my owner. Oh, food. Oh, you know, it had like a little brain fart basically, which you know animals do just like anything else, and that can cause a lot of trouble. But anyway, look, if you're listening on on iTunes, check it out on YouTube. We just played the video. It's pretty wild. She looks pretty sad, this kid walking well, away. Well, 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 think about this, right? The eagle kind of hovers above her, right? And it's got these sharp talons. So let's say I took a sharp knife and I just kind of just just did that and just jabbed you a little bit, right? Not going to hurt. Four. Yeah. Still might go in. Yeah. If I jabbed you as hard as I could, a golden eagle, yeah. according to the interwebs, can dive bomb at 150 miles an hour. Exactly. Yeah. Force equals mass saying. times acceleration. Like if that right. thing came in at 150, probably Done. could have killed her. Totally. Ripped to shreds. And that's what oh, that yeah. is how they hunt. Like the impact of those talons is really what does it. So she's lucky. It makes me think of, I don't know if you guys know this. I know, Patrick, you do because you were texting me about it. In New Zealand, they used to have these birds called elephant birds, right? Giant giant birds that would walk around like ostriches. No, uh, moa. Elephant sorry, bird. moa. I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, moa, moa. Um, like a giant ostrich, basically, a flightless big bird. And their main predator was an animal called a host eagle, which was a gargantuan eagle. Like, think of an eagle that used to tackle 10-foot-tall ostriches. Like, and that's how big they were. <laughs> and when the Polynesians first settled New Zealand um, and they became Maori, they were like, we got to get rid of these things, right? So it was kind of a twofold. One, they would... They would attempt to hunt the host eagles, but two, they were eating a lot of moa. So the moa dropped off and then the host eagle went extinct. But the, there are tons and tons and tons of story and legend, but factual story of host eagle actually taking Maori children, which is pretty crazy to think that there used, there was not very long ago in our, in our time in human history, there were kids yeah. being eaten by, by eagles swooping down and taking them. Dude, flying nature? into the sky. Nature is brutal, and if you're out there hunting these eagles, they have every right to come and decimate your fucking tribe. Yeah, fuck off, humans. True. Yeah, <laughs> you're on a Post eagle. Day, for sir. those who have never seen one, uh, there's some pictures on the YouTube here. Wingspan of ten and a half feet. Yes. Holy shit! Standing, just standing up, three and a half feet tall. I mean, they are massive. That, that's literally the size of a of a child of like a of like a what a three four year old vertically and then the size of two grown of men horizontally. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, that was cool, Will. That was a good find on that video. We had a couple other Brosner DMs that came in. Um, you know, there's who some- sent that one. Oh, just just quick, give him a quick shout. Doctor Crypto Naturalist. That's right. Ah, sweet. Which is Thanks, a pretty man. fun name. It is a pretty fun name. There's another one that floated all around the internet today. It's worth bringing up. I I have seen it. I don't know if you guys have yet. It was sent to in, into us by at Eric Horlishin, I think. Um, and it is. I mean, like, somebody get David Attenborough on the phone because I don't know what the hell's going on here. You know, like, you guys got to see this. It's absolutely hysterical, and we won't play any more videos for those listening and just talk about them. But this one, this one is a little bit mind-blowing. I have some idea. I have one theory as to what happened here and why this happened. This one, 
so this one have is you seen the, this Retep? Uh, what's going on describe it to it. us Retep. what are you seeing <laughs> all right so it looks like looks to be a seagull and on top of the seagull is another it's flying one seagull in full flight and there's another seagull just standing on top of that one in midair. Literally no riding No wings it. open. Isn't that nothing, hilarious? Just standing there and riding the back of this it's thing. It's hysterical. I mean, I just think it's so funny it's to amazing. see a, a seagull just standing perfectly stationary on top of its buddy while its buddy does all the work flying. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> What's your theory, By the Patrick? way, like... Uh, okay, so here's my theory. So the seagull that is that has the other one on its back, right, the one that's flying... It doesn't flap its wings once in the entire clip. It's riding right. an aircraft. I noticed that. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so here's my thought. These seagulls are a couple. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and the wind was so extreme Can't that wait day for this. Yeah. that they were having trouble controlling themselves in the wind currents. And so the seagull, you know, did whatever it did. And the other one's like, oh, what if I get on your back? Then we can get up to the top of this roof. <laughs> because we'll have twice as much weight. That's my thought. I like you that. don't you don't think you don't think that it's maybe uh, th- that the the male seagull, the one that's flying, uh, is in the doghouse and she's like, <laughs> "Fuck you, that I'm yeah, just I gonna like ride on your back theory. today." I, I like that. That like that's that's dad seagull down below, and that's mom seagull on top. And she's like, "You're such a fuck up. Why aren't you? Why aren't you better at catching fish? Your buddy Jim just got a whole bag of McDonald's French fries from that tourist down the road. You're such a fucking loser." <laughs> <laughs> and he's just sitting there yeah. going like, yes, Sheila, whatever you say, Sheila. And that's that's no, the conversation yeah. going on yeah, in my Sheila. mind. And her name's Sheila. Those fucking French fries were blowing away harder than we are in the wind, you bitch. <laughs> I want a divorce. Fuck off. I got a question for you, broologist, while we're talking yeah. about seagulls. <laughs> yeah. They all kind of look the same, right? Like, you know, you, you see some that are dirtier yep. than others. You see some big ones. Some have some more gray. Yep. Whatever. Yep. All I right. feel that. So. Humans, I'm sure, to seagulls all kind of look the same, right? Yep. Two eyes, nose, mouth, weird arms sticking down. Yep. But as a human, you know, you go into a bar, it doesn't matter if you're in Moscow or London or L.A. There are people that are just objectively hot people. Guys, girls, transgender, whatever, right? We can all agree that there's like a certain level of like, that's, that's a hot, that's a hot woman, that's a hot guy. Of course. You can tell, right? Yeah. Do you think birds Especially have that? Hot guys. Do you think that like seagulls and pigeons are ever just like hanging out on the beach in LA and they're like, oh God, look at that one. That one is yoked. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do. I do think that. So seagulls, penguins, I'm not sure about pigeons, but a lot of birds, ducks are monogamous, right? So they mate for life, um, which is pretty impressive. Must be with an ugly mate. Yeah. It's, and it's and I think, you know. What is marriage but settling for the best that you can do, period? You know, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that what marriage <laughs> yeah. is? Um, That's how it's defined in Webster's, yes. Yeah, right. So, um, it, it, you know, I think what, I don't think it's quite like, we walk into a bar. Actually, it is the same. Let me, let me lay it out for you. You walk into a bar, you see a beautiful girl, all right? What do you notice about her? Tell me, tell me, just, just it can be in your own eyes, but what do you notice about her? Symmetry and... The, their general form, what the body looks like. Fit. Okay. Fit. Very she got nice hair, beautiful eyes, you know, a, a good jawline, whatever it is, right? 
Um, it doesn't matter what the features are. It, it's that's what you notice and that's what you find attractive about her. Now the same thing goes for a seagull, right? What's happening is your brain is getting wired to go, ooh, good reproduction. That's a good mate for me. Nice, Will. That's a good picture. Um, <laughs> um, your brain, when you yeah. walk into that bar, is wired to go, oh, that's a good, that's a good mate to reproduce with. You know, she is fit. She's got a good jawline. Her hair is healthy. She's not too skinny. She's not too fat, whatever it is. But your brain looks at it and goes, this is a good thing for me to replicate with. This, uh, this is how I should share my genetics. And I think in the bird world and all animal world, pretty much, that same things happens. It's like, oh, he's nice and plump. He's healthy. He's got good sheen to his feathers. Uh, she's got, you know, <laughs> nice fat around her legs or face or eyes or whatever. That's a healthy bird. I want to mate with it. And, you know, just right. like in the animal kingdom, I think that... You know, when you look at that dime piece in the bar and start walking up to her and then you see fucking Jerry GQ sit down next to her, you're like, well, there goes that idea. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think the same thing happens in the so, animal kingdom, too. It's, so it's funny. It's funny because I was just going to say, so then what's so then what's your theory? And don't answer this because you just answered it. So what's the theory then on people who are more attracted to people who wouldn't traditionally be less or who would be less attractive? And I think the answer is that Jerry GQ has come and taken all of the... What the... Is that My your peacock? Is that your, I'm guinea fowl. They're awful. <laughs> guinea fowl for the, for the hard L. That's a, that's a hard guinea fowl. They just, they just fouled <laughs> it up. How's it look? <laughs> Describe it physically. Is it wearing underwear? Does it have a nice sheen? <laughs> I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta suck, though. Like, think about for a rhino, right? Yeah. How does a male rhino, what is its number one status thing it's that's going to make female, maybe. a female want to... What's a female? Is that like yeah, a moil that So does for a rhino, it's big horn, right? You got to be fat. You got to be rotund. You got to have, have a big horn. You know, you got to be healthy, mm -hmm. dominant. You got to be able to physically dominate any other rhino to show that you're the best, which also means you're the best protector and can, and can dominate against other predators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so think about, uh, let's extrapolate that out to humans. Imagine if your dick was on your forehead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just I putting mean, it all out there. So it's yeah, but two, two yeah. out of a thousand male humans have a condition called micropenis, which means that your erect penis is one and a half inches in length I or smaller. I used to talk about this. this so much when I was in college. It's hysterical. But yes, please If you're continue. a rhino with micro horn... You don't get to put pants on. No. You don't get to win someone over with your personality first nope. before you then go, I'm fun. I took you to Hawaii. Uh, I got a great house. But there's this other thing. It's just on your forehead. Yeah. It's, uh, because I the truth my is, and, and this forehead. is like, this is probably going to upset people, especially our one in 2,000 listeners that have a micro penis. The truth is, you're not supposed to reproduce. Like genetically speaking, that's a deformity, right? It's the same thing as 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 if a if a bird Bro, is born. We're getting canceled. I'm just telling we're you from canceled. a biological standpoint. It's the same thing right. as if a rhino you're is born me? with a giant tumor on its neck or or a third leg or missing a limb. It is a it is a deformity that means you're not well, supposed to reproduce. That is the truth of the matter. Well, let's let's break this down a little bit. I mean, having a, a large penis isn't necessary in humans is not necessarily the best way to uh, to figure out if somebody's going to be a good mate. In fact, having too large of a penis hurts some women and it doesn't fit and they don't like it. Having a nice average sized <laughs> peen is 
more preferable right. to many, well, many women. Because I've we, taken a we have a different concept of survival Correct. than rhinos do. So I think right, right. what Forrest yeah. is saying is that micro horn has probably already been naturally it's selected gone. out exactly. or they will never reproduce exactly. versus us who, you know, as long as you have functional sperm, there's other things that then help you be a better mate, which right. are, can I just, you have a good job, you can, you know, provide housing and food and stuff like that. If, if Jeff sure, Bezos sure. had a micro penis, I'd still marry him. Okay. Because you would, that, yes, yeah, of course. yes. And that's, Fair you know, nice. that is our, good our, our society has changed what survival means, right? As an intelligent being, survival is having affluence. It's having money, right? That allows you to survive better. So that overcomes any physical attributes. There's personality. There's all kinds of things that play into that nowadays. But in the animal kingdom, sure. those things go bye-bye very quickly. Right. Yeah, of course. They're very, much more simple than our complex, dumb, dumb human brains. Even though we are idiots and terrible. Well, that was but, fun. Yeah. I'm not sure how we got there from a seagull riding on another seagull's back, but that was. That hey, was, it's still animal related, that's though. That's true. So it's, that was, it is animal related. Aminal. Pumped him, animal. <laughs> All right, that was Forrest, a, yeah, go ahead. Number one on the show, Doc. Yeah, I, I got to get you to weigh in on this. Literally, what I was about to I, get into. I was excited. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Just, I was just going to say, we, we've, we've circled this several times with, with different shows and, and yep. things we wanted to do, a woman in Indonesia was swallowed whole by a snake. What yep. kind of snake do you think it was, Forrest? A python, of course. I can what be more specific if you'd care. Um, a reticulated yeah. python. They are notorious people eaters. So, okay, <laughs> contrary to Ice Cube, was it Ice Cube that was in the movie Anaconda? I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Contrary was. to Ice Cube's biggest hit, the movie Anaconda, um... Snakes don't actually eat people very often, right? You don't go to the Amazon and get eaten by anacondas or Africa and get eaten by rock pythons. But, 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 if you happen to live in the wild jungles of like Indonesia, the Philippines, uh, parts of Southeast Asia, and happen to be kind of small in stature, say like a young Indonesian woman, it's not a good place to be. Because there are giant snakes, they're called reticulated pythons, that unlike their cousins, the anacondas or certain other species of pythons, are extremely aggressive and spend their life hunting and eating large mammals like wild boars. Now, we, we probably all know this, including Peter, wild boars get to be like 200 pounds, right? I guarantee you this yep. girl wasn't 200 pounds. So if a, if a python is out there crawling out of the trees, hunting and eating 200-pound boars, you better believe your 98-pound girlfriend is on the menu when she goes out into her field at night in Indonesia. Crazy, yeah. That's, yeah. She, that's she went out to go check on her cornfield. Uh, she lived on Muna, Muna or Muna Island off the coast of Sulawesi. Um, Left her home Thursday night to visit her cornfield, which was a half mile from her home. She didn't come home. The village put together a search party and found between her house and her cornfield a 23-foot-long reticulated python with a very suspiciously swollen belly. <laughs> they killed it, cut it open, and she oh, was there it is. inside. Yeah. Will just, is that it? Will just brought it up, yeah. And, yeah, it's, and it's funny, it, this so... My God. So look, Indonesia in the last Ugh. 20, 30 years, I, even less so in the last 10 to 15, has become very modernized, right? In the sense of everybody has cell phones, everybody's always texting, like there's great cell phone coverage in a lot of Indonesia. So these stories are getting reported. You go to places like some of the remote islands in the Philippines where there are pygmy tribes like the Aida, 
And these, the, I, I, I would wager that these, are, these accounts are happening like once per month, minimum. And you'll never hear about it because you're talking about a tribe of people don't have cell phones, don't have access to TV or media, have nobody to tell. It's just everyday life. And, and with regards to the people in the Philippines, the IATA, they're pygmies. So like a tall, a tall person is like five foot tall. So the average person's like four, eight. You're totally on the menu for these gargantuan snakes. And as long as you see sure. it coming or whatever, it's no big deal. But the thing is, these snakes are so incredibly silent and cryptic and stealthy and once they grab you, that's it. I mean, it's it's wild. I don't know. I'm always fascinated by people being eaten by snakes because it's just something so that doesn't it, really happen that much. What would it look like? Like, describe to me, you know, obviously as a herpetologist, what does a 23-foot python do to get you, and, and what's your window to get out of that? That's an awesome... Let's do a little a, survival with forest here. You're walking. Yeah. It's It's evening. What happens? How do you know you're being attacked? What's the snake doing? And what's your best bet to survive? Fantastic question, actually, because I don't think most people even understand this. You look at a snake, right? You go to a zoo, go to a pet shop, whatever. You look at the ball python in the Petco tank and go, that thing can kill me if it's huge. It's like a lazy lump, right? So these are (laughs) not pursuit predators. This is not a cheetah. It's not going to run you down in the savanna and tackle you, okay? These large snakes are ambush predators. So what that means is... And they, this is the, one of the amazing things. They know what's going on. They study you. They study your, your patterns. They study game trails. They go, hey, if I sit here coiled up and waiting in strike position like a ready spring, I know that something is going to come down this trail, whether that's a wild boar, whether that's a peter, it doesn't matter. And if it's the size that I can eat it and not get d- injured, I'm going to go for it. So in a pile next to a game trail, Arguably, and it's, it's really hard to explain how cryptic these animals are. I guarantee you all of us have walked by thousands of snakes. We never know we're within five feet of us because they've just laid motionless and they're so good at blending in. And even a 23-foot-long reticulated python is like this. So beside a game trail, beside a human footpath, there sits the snake. It's coiled up in strike mode. And what that means is it's sitting like a loaded spring ready with its neck drawn back and curled, ready to strike. You step in front of it, you move in front of it, and it lashes out. Will, do me a favor and pull up a picture of python mouth or reticulated python mouth or inside of a python mouth, something like that. And what you get is this giant mouth, in the case of a reticulated python, you know, like bigger than your two hands put together. I mean, a huge, you know, huge. Like two, two really large books put together, opened up. Right, lined on either side of that is hundreds of recurved needle sharp teeth. Recurved meaning they curve in backwards. So once they latch onto something, if you pull forward, all it does is shred. It does not let go. Now once they latch on, that's going to injure you. You're going to get stitches. You're going to. It's going to be bad. But it's not going to kill you. What's going to happen? Try python teeth, Will, so we can show what the. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, oh, and by the way, they can open their jaws to like 190 degrees, like you can see there. Once that latches onto you, that's not the end of the world. It's bad, don't get me wrong. You've got these really gnarly, sharp teeth that are recurved into you, but most people can survive that. What happens is, once that animal has its, its teeth into you, it then uses its giant body, which is nothing but basically an elongated thigh muscle, to wrap around you. That is your only opportunity for escape, okay? And I've caught big anacondas in the Amazon, and if you don't have a couple really strong buddies there that are competent, that aren't going to panic, 
while that snake's wrapping you up, they have to be unwrapping you. That is how you survive it. If you're getting bitten, sure, that sucks, it hurts, punch the snake, hit the snake, whatever, odds are it's not gonna let go. What's gonna happen, it's gonna start coiling around you. And if you allow it to co coil around you, every time you breathe out, it's going to cinch down. So you're gonna go, and you're gonna get less and less breath back oh, in. That's a nightmare. Until it this crushes your rib cage, imploding your rib cage, and you asphyxiate and die most of the time by puncturing a lung. Now, if you have a couple's buddies with you who know what they're doing and they're not gonna panic, they grab the animal by the tail and are constantly unwrapping it while it's wrapping like around a, you. Like walking in a circle, exactly. essentially? Exactly, literally a counter circle to what you're doing. And eventually, the snake will get too tired, it will release, and it will slither away, because it cannot win the fight. But if you just fight back, you punch, I mean, sure, if you have a knife and stab it in the head or something, totally, but I'm just talking in the case of like, <laughs> you're unprepared, you know, you don't, you don't know what, you get latched on, you've got people around you, try not to panic, have people pick up the tail, you spin counterclockwise to it's clockwise and have everybody take the tail and start walking in the opposite direction. And it, it is bad. They will crush your lungs, crush your rib cage, you will die of asphyxiation, and then they'll swallow you up. Quick, so, quick question. So there's, there's oh, sorry, go ahead. Right there. Go ahead. So there's essentially no way to escape this thing, though, if you're alone and don't have, like, a weapon. I wouldn't dead. say there's no way. I mean, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, I don't, look, I don't know. You know, what the if you gouged is, its eyes out? What if you used your thumb and really targeted its eyes and you gouged both eyes out? Might it let go? Maybe, but the thing that you're not taking into account is the amount of time between when it strikes, when it hits you and has that first coil around you, I'm making this up, but think, think one and a half seconds tops. And that's it. And then your arms are pinned against your side. So it's not like your arms are up over your yeah. head and you're able to fight. Like you're getting, you're getting locked down and you're just stuck yeah. at that point. And that's the thing is the strength of these animals, it's hard to explain. Like I have dealt, so anacondas are strong. They're very strong. I've caught like 19, 20 foot anacondas. Will, you could even pull up a picture if you'd like of me with a big anaconda. If you type it in, I'm sure it'll come up. I've caught some big, big, big anacondas. Big anaconda. uh, and, um, tiny they're anaconda. strong. Reticulated pythons are like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime compared to me right now in my 30s. Like, they're just so much more yoked than an anaconda, and they're just so strong. You look so a bit like strong. Seth MacFarlane in that picture. Not to derail, but... <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think when it comes to a big reticulated python, if you're pretty small in stature, there's not much you can do. They're just too, 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 too strong. So too it vicious. grabs you by the leg, most likely, right? Probably the leg, the, by the thigh, leg I mean, walking. anywhere. The thing is, the way that mouth is designed is it opens so wide, and it's so it's the teeth are such hooks that it'll just it doesn't even matter. It could be that your shoulder, your chest, it'll get it'll get you. Yeah, if you're if you're able to uh, keep your arm out or keep your one arm out, like would you would that be like advisable? Because let's let's face it, I'm I'm not going to be able to do much against one of these things unless <laughs> I have you and Pat with me. But would my first move be like I'm putting my fucking arms up and like trying yeah, to I think so. stay? I mean, I don't. I think yeah. it happens so quick you don't even have the ability to think that way. But yes, I think yeah, getting your true. arms out so that you have the ability to. I mean, you could always, you know, I, I'm just guessing here because I don't know who's ever been faced with this. But you get your hands in its mouth and you know rip open kind of thing and try and dislocate its jaw. Um, if you yeah. reptiles in particular are not really willing to take a bad beating for a meal. 
You know, they, they want to subdue you. That's why they do the wrap up. That's why a crocodile does a death roll, right? They want to subdue you so that you bleed out, you die, you asphyxiate, and then they can eat you in peace. They're not going to fight you to the death like, say, a <laughs> right. lion will or something. So when you start injuring them back, it's not worth it to them. They're not going to mm. keep fighting for that meal. They're going to let go and disappear and know that as a snake, they can go another two months without a meal and it won't phase them. So, like, you know, right. if you can get a few licks in, do, I guess. But it just, <laughs> I don't think you're odds I was, are I was find it tough, in, yeah. I always find it interesting, uh, these incidents where people get eaten by snakes. We've talked about one before, I think. But so the snake then just goes and basically takes a nap like 25 feet away and then they're found by like the villagers because they can't move after that right more or less yeah i mean so they asphyxiate you then they detach from you completely typically always go head first they never go feet first because they totally understand how like your i'm not <laughs> your kidding brain. they know how your yeah. body works and they know that you know if you get an sure. arm mixed up they're not going to get it right and then they open up their mouth and slowly swallow you and that takes between the the battle the striking, the asphyxiating, and then the eating, that takes up, for a cold-blooded animal that's energy comes from the sun, basically, that takes up all of its energy. So then by the time it's got that yeah. big meal down, you know, it, it typically, like a big, large snake, doesn't have the energy to go very far to lie around and digest. It has to go somewhere, coil up, and start the digestion process. And it's, it's, it's not it's exactly how really I far. feel. It's exactly how I feel after a big Taco Bell meal, for I sure. I think it's how everyone exactly feels how after Taco is. Bell, because you get sick. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Quick question. Forrest, we're in Indonesia. We're filming. We see a reticulated python. Are you going to try and catch it? 100% every time. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no amygdala. My, my first well, here's the thing, Peter and Brosners. We don't have a team of snake handlers with us. Sure so when we're in the Amazon and Forrest jumps out of the boat and suddenly has a very large anaconda <laughs> and it finds himself needing help, yeah. it's camera and sound people and producers yep. <laughs> that now have to get out of the boat and help him who have no idea what they're doing. Every time. Well, we saw... It's worked we out saw, so far. I think we, we just <laughs> yes. did a daily video where uh, w the one where Forrest was in the, what was it, like a, a little forerunner thing or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it just completely fucking flips it with the sound guy, the cameraman inside. <laughs> those, yeah. those, uh, that production crew, man, they, they really got balls to yeah, go out they, there with you. They take a the beating time. for sure. Yeah, no, my, my very <laughs> first time in Indonesia. Um, I went there just to see Komodo dragons because it was the number one thing since I was like six years old is to go and see Komodo dragons. So I went to the island of Komodo. Mm. We did all of that. I, I think I've told the story about the fire Carl thing and how I got all jacked up. And um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, the day before we left, we were on Bintang Flores, the island next to Komodo. And I met this little village guy and he was like, there's a huge snake in this back cave. And I was like, no way. And he's like, huge, like one of the biggest snakes in the world. And I'm like, let's go find it. And here's just, it was literally just me and my girlfriend, like, trekked, like, five hours through the jungle, steep, super shitty jungle, and came into this massive cave. Like, massive. Like, huge. You know, it's like one of those, like, something you see in, like, a King Kong movie, where, like, the mouth of the cave is, like, 55 feet above your head, you know, the, the top of the cave. And it was huge. And as, you, as we rocked up there, there were just tens of thousands of flying foxes, giant bats, just coming in and out of the cave. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're Dude. definitely... 
like a prehistoric snake here. And uh, the guy's like, it's in the cave, it's in the cave. And there's me and this, this guy that I met and like his random buddy and my girlfriend. So there's like five of us. And I'm like, okay, let's go. He's like, oh no, I'm not going in there. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> of course not. And he's like, I'm not going in there. Like, he's like, that's where the snake is. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I like look at my girlfriend. And I'm like, Jess? And she's like, I'm not going in there. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and so I just, anyway, long story short, I ended up nipples deep in guano in this cave. It's literally oh all God. bat shit it's as disgusting. deep as you can get. I'm wading through this Ugh. soupy fucking concoction of bat poop, nipples deep. I, I am probably where COVID <laughs> came from. And uh, Nipples deep is going to be the new name of the dude, podcast. Dude, it was brutes. It was so disgusting. It smelled so bad and went like all the way back into this cave and found, I'm not exaggerating, a snakeskin that looked like a sleeping bag. It was so fucking big. I mean, it, the snake wow. was not in the cave, or if it was, I didn't see it, but I found a shed, and I'm not kidding. I'll see if I can dig up the photo and send it to post on the Instagram. I took the snakeskin, I carried it back out, and I put it on like a sleeping bag. I mean, I got in the snakeskin. It was so big. No problem. It's and pretty fucking awesome. stood there though. covered in yeah. bat shit with the snakeskin around my waist to, to take a photo. <laughs> And, uh, and that's how Patrick found you and was like, right. we need to do a fucking television show <laughs> Pat- with your ass. Patrick was in the Four Seasons right across the street, and I walked out, and he's <laughs> like, right. this guy, this guy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> this guy right I was here. enjoying a Mai Tai at the pool. You came in wearing a snakeskin smelling of feces, and I went, all right, let's do something, bro. <laughs> this is our guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Forrest, Shit, man. Uh, something uh, came across the desk here that, is Ooh. right in your neck of the woods, and one of your favorite spear fishing spots is affected by it. So I kind of wanted to get your take. Mm, I know where you're going with this. So we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna rant, but yeah. it's not gonna be a bummer. Yeah. Um, all right. So some marine biologists um, were studying uh, a bunch of sea lions, right? Sea lions. Yep. yep. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of sea lions in Southern California were getting cancer and dying from cancer uh, between basically L.A. and where you live, Santa Barbara, and out to the Channel Islands where you love to go lobstering and spearfishing, right? All the time. Outside of Catalina there. I was thinking about going tomorrow. So, of course, they're like some things in the water, some sort of chemical, some things, you know, upsetting these sea lions. So they do this big uh, bathymetry scan of the bottom of the, uh, the bottom of the ocean there, they, and they scan 36,000 acres of the seafloor, basically right between Catal- Catalina and Santa Barbara. Yep. They find some barrels, what looks like some barrels of a man-made object. They proceed to find more and more and more of them until they realize they have found 25,000 barrels have been dumped in this one area. So they mm-hmm. send some divers down, take a look, see what's going on. Our ROVs. It is, it's, a, it's at like 6,000. Oh, ROVs. Yeah. Okay, ROVs. All good. It is 25,000 barrels of the very, very toxic chemical DDT were unceremoniously dumped right between Santa Barbara and the Channel Islands. Yep. That Discovered is a by very my, harmful yeah, it's a fucking chemical. Nightmare. It's the worst Listen, chemical basically yeah. known to man. I mean, it was... Yeah. Oh, boy. Where do we begin? Discovered by my alma mater, martyr, my, my alma mater, UCSB, which was kind of cool because, I don't know, that's where I went. But um, it's it's so fucked up, man. I mean, so... Yeah, it's so, fucking ridiculous. Okay. You, Peter, when's the last time you saw a bald eagle? 
It's, uh, I, dude, I don't have, I've never, at the zoo. At okay. the zoo, fucking, okay. yeah. Do you know why you've never <laughs> seen a bald eagle? Because you should. You know, there's fish in the ocean here in California. We have them. They're not, they're not even that mm-hmm. scarce. Do you know why you've it's never seen Amer- a bald symbol eagle? symbol of freedom, the American That's bird. That's right. Do you know why you've never seen one? I, I don't. I mean, I know that they're fucking rare, nearing extinction. Because of that image right fucking there. So in the 1970s, we in the United States discovered, I actually don't know that we discovered it, but someone discovered DDT, the chemical DDT. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what a fantastic pesticide. All we have to do is spray all of our water sources with DDT, and that will kill all of the mosquito larvae, and we'll have no more mosquitoes in California or anywhere in the United States. Not to mention, bugs won't eat our crops, nothing bad will happen. How great is this? So what we did is we decided to cover the blanket, the entire United States, basically, with this wonderful chemical called DDT. Well, only a few short years later, we figured out, hey, that gives us cancer. Let's not do that. Then we decided to dump it in the California Channel. But before all of that happened, what we found out was the DDT would kill the mosquitoes, kill the mosquito larva. That mosquito larva would then basically drop down into the water where the mosquito larva was from or the mosquitoes would go, a bunch of fish would eat it, right? Just as fish do. That's our natural way of getting rid of mosquito larvae is mosquito fish. Fish would eat it. Uh-huh. It would bioaccumulate in the food chain. So a mosquito fish would eat 10 mosquito larvae. A bass would eat 50 mosquito larvae, mosquito fish that ate 10 uh, mosquito fish, et cetera, it, and so on. It would bioaccumulate. It's the same thing like with mercury, right? Right. The same idea with that? Yeah. Uh, well, n- yes, actually, with the biosimulation. Yes, going up the food chain. And right, eventually, right, right. what would happen was a bald eagle would swoop down, catch that bass, and eat it. And the trace amounts that weren't that trace at that point of DDT would get into that animal's system. And DDT was so harmful that all of the bald eagles from the, the, from the 1940s, 1950s would lay their eggs and the eggshells were so thin that the, when they would go to sit and incubate their eggs, the only thing they know how to do as parents, they would crush and crack the eggs. So our, oh my, our bald eagle sad. population, the symbol of freedom, the thing that we as Americans associate as being the bird of America, we basically drove to extinction with this stupid fucking chemical. So what did we do? Pretty fucking Let ironic. Let me just point this out. So what did we do? We didn't go, hey, this is bad. Let's dispose of it responsibly. We're like... All right, cool. Yeah, this this is not good. Let's dump it in the ocean. That'll get rid of it. The ocean's like a good place to lose shit. So we took 2,500 or whatever of these barrels. 25,000. Sorry, 25,000. They just discovered this. That we know of so far. This is just a minor amount, I guarantee. Right, exactly. Yeah, and dumped it in the very ocean where we know it bioaccumulates up the food chain to the point of killing birds and humans and everything else. So the whole thing's just fucking whack, man. Listen, listen. So uh, on the on the last video we posted, the whole thing about the uh, you know them opening up uh, hunting for endangered elephants yeah. out in Zimbabwe, where you're from, and you know somebody commented on there, you know America America does the same shit. It's not the exact same thing, and this this is a prime example. Yeah, I agree. Like the corruption and the greed. This this saves somebody fucking tens of millions of dollars for sure just to fucking get rid of this and fucking dump it in the ocean rather than yeah. having to do it correctly and put it somewhere where it's going to go, you know? Well, and one, so, thing, I mean, one thing I found out in this article that, that Patrick brought up that I found very interesting, the channel between Los Angeles and Catalina and Santa Barbara and the Channel Islands used to be the dumping ground. Like in the 1940s, 1950s, yep. 
all of the industrial waste, all of the garbage, everything that we would accumulate by, you know, developing California would just be like, yeah, let's just take it like six miles out there and just right into the ocean. And so, that's yeah. wild that we, how it wasn't this, that long how ago it, that we thought that way. <laughs> it's crazy. How does it happen that like, I, that you can look at something like a beautiful piece of nature or something that's just like fucking perfect and, and natural and pristine and, and us shitty humans are just like, eh, whatever. Let's just throw our disgusting. Literally, we know that this fucking kills everything that it touches, basically. Let's just fucking throw it right in there and well, not give a shit. I here's mean, a, here's yeah. a weird fucking thing, man. So DDT was invented in the 1940s uh, by an Austrian scientist. It spread all over the world, right? Okay. Yep. DDT was banned for use in the U.S. in 1972. 1972 was the same year that that dumping ground was closed down, where we said, no more dumping here. So in the same year that we said, no more dumping, somebody went out and dumped 25,000 barrels of a chemical that had just been banned. Right. So that makes me think one of two things. Either the legislation came out and they went, holy shit, let's get rid of this DDT that just got banned quick. Get it it rid of quick. Yep. Right. It's it's fucking preposterous to think about what how that all happened and the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that were at stake. The second point is, uh, you guys have heard of rare earth elements, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's these very hard to get to elements that are found very deep within the earth that are incredibly useful in our modern electronics. They're in our iPhones, our, our Mac laptops, our TVs. They're very difficult to extract because they occur in such small quantities and really deep in the earth. 95% of rare earth elements that we have accessible are mined in China. What do you think the reason is? Because they don't give a shit. I mean, they probably are, they don't give a shit about the environment. They're exactly. just doing whatever they can right. to yeah. get to it. I mean, I don't so, know the specific methodology, but they're probably just, that's like legal, go for it. Yeah, mining rare earth elements is incredibly destructive because you have to tear just so much earth apart to yeah. get a very mm. small amount of it. So even in China, where they where they mine most of the rare earth elements that all of the companies that we enjoy use, you're right. not allowed to fly over those rare earth element mining sites because they don't even want photographs taken of yeah. them, right? They of have course. no environmental regulations. How much fucking DDT do you think is dumped off the coasts of China? Right. To, or today, into rivers in or currently? lakes. Yeah. Oh, not not sure. only currently, but let's say whenever they banned it. For, it's for like sure. there's probably millions of barrels of this shit that are being dumped into the ocean over there. Oh, not yeah. not to mention in Zimbabwe, where I grew up, DDT was still a legal chemical. So agriculture, when I left the country, was still the main, uh, farming was the main source of income. I think maybe second to tourism, but it might have been ahead. DDT was still the preferred thing. Literally, where I grew up, crop dusters would come by and spray our crops with DDT. That was like, that was how you, like I would look out of the window from our farm and see blankets of DDT being sprayed over the crops. Like that was a, that was a normal thing in my childhood. Well, I mean, this is why, this is why you have, you have, you have fucking environmental impact studies and all these things that are done. But at the same time, like it has to be this balance it has to be in the middle somewhere because when that goes too far to the other end it fucks up the economy and other shit so it's like 
either way, like there's, there's never any balance. Everything gets shifted one way. Like look at California. It's impossible to do certain things because of all of the fucking permitting and all the things you have to do. But then, so what happens, dude? People just fucking completely fleece it. They fucking go throw all this DDT in the ocean or whatever, you know, they skirt the law. They do it in different ways. So, I mean, dude, it's fucking whack and, and it's, it's worldwide and this is why we're all fucked for real. This is why <laughs> we're right. fucked. Not to vil- not to villainize China. Last thing I want to say about it, yeah, I just find shit. this interesting. It's interesting. Uh, they we banned it in seventy two. They banned it in nineteen eighty three. Although it was still widely used until two thousand in China, but China still manufactures DDT for export, which is sent to Africa. Yeah, which they which, use for malaria control. Which it's still being used, like I said, where I grew up today, which is pretty wild. Right. All things considered. Yeah. And we have a bird Quick called note. a fish eagle. Yeah, go ahead. Quick positive note on that. They just uh, they just finished a clinical study that was that showed uh, for it's a vaccine, I believe, that uh, for malaria. Oh, I that's saw like that. 77% effective or something. The malaria vaccine. So. Bill Gates, didn't nice. Bill Gates do it or fund it or something? Probably. I, 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 saw, <laughs> I saw something like that. Well, look. I'm not sure who, but Here we yeah, go. hopefully the DDT gets okay, out Okay, look. Yeah. Peter. Yeah, look, listen, right. listen, look. Settle. Uh, Shut the fuck up, Peter. <laughs> trying to wrap this up. All right. You're going on about how terrible the laws are, how awful, why we just break them. And I know because you don't do it on air, but you get really annoyed when you have homeless problems near your house in L.A. They're breaking the law. And so tonight we have something we're going to do. It's a little... Battle Royale! <laughs> Ooh, an angry is that one. German? It is. Christ. And here's the Austrian. premise. Here's the premise, okay? You're homeless in Los Angeles. Oh, great. All right. Perfect. I knew this would get you fired up, Peter. You're homeless in Los Angeles. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I, I love homeless. I don't have a problem with homeless people. <laughs> You're homeless <laughs> in Los Angeles, all right? And you've got to survive there. But you only get three animals to live with you. They're your only f- three friends on this earth, and they are your protectors. Who do you pick? Okay. Now, here's the kicker. They have to fit in your tent with you. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> Love the kicker, mate. Yep. Do they so, have to be native to... And, and, and we can assume that they're fully uh, trained, and they're yes. not going to attack us, right? That is correct. Oh. That is correct, yeah. Okay. So you do have to take into consideration things like if you do pick a large animal, they have to live in the tent. Correct. So like, you know. Correct. So going like, I want a cow for milk. You're going to share a tent with a cow? Get out of here. You're not. You're not doing that. (laughs) Um, So you got to be. just stomp you you in your sleep. Yeah. You got to think on your toes here. And because I can see Patrick's already Googling, I'm going to make him go first for the snake draft. Let's go. It's a snake draft. It is. Okay. Sure. Well, I, I'm not going to worry so much about procuring food right off the bat. Um, okay. Because, you know, there are quite a few programs that distribute food. Uh, <laughs> one thing that I would like is protection. It's sure. rough out there on the streets. You know, I lock my doors at night. I'm very lucky. Zipping up a tent, not quite the same. So I'm going to pick an animal that will fit in my tent, provide warmth and cuddling at night, and a lot of protection. I'm going to pick a honey badger. Ooh. Um Which also has the bonus of, you know, you're getting food, you're getting, you know, whatever the government's helping and and handing you out. They're not giving you a lot of condiments. So (laughs) it will protect me, it will cuddle me, and it will also go out and raid beehives 
and bring back honey. <laughs> Very good. So you Very can make good. mead. Um, to make okay. your mead. That's right. All right, Peter, you're up next. All right. Um, I, I'm going to go in a slightly similar vein. I, I definitely want a companion because, you know, being homeless would be brutal. And uh, people are looking down on you, frowning on you. Um, I am going to pick myself <laughs> a, uh, a uh, fucking uh, wild bobcat because it is a feline and they're, they're basically like a cat, but a little more vicious. So, <laughs> I mean, if somebody comes up to my fucking tent and sees a giant fucking looking house cat that is vicious to them, but not to me because it will cuddle me and I will pet it and we will love one another. Okay. Okay. So bobcat. Got it. All right. So yeah, a giant 19 pound bobcat. Yep. Okay. Okay. 19 pounds. How is that giant? Wait, what? You, you said it was giant when they come no, up. No, it's scary. It. I, 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 scary. Giant domestic cat. It looks like a giant domestic cat is what I said. You meager, ugly little fuck. Wow. Okay. okay Moving on. Forest, All right. For two. So I'm up. Yeah. I'm gonna go first, or I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my first pick. Um, I'm going a different route. Although I do think protection is critical, I'm trying to survive on the streets. I'm not trying to survive. I'm trying to thrive on the streets, on them streets. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick something real sneaky. Okay. My first pick okay. is a mandrill. Do you know what a mandrill is, Ritep? No. That blue faced baboon. Will's gonna pull a picture of one up in a minute. And here's why. Because if you take a baboon. <laughs> You put him in a, in a black hoodie, and you put him on the corner, he just looks like another guy. You don't know. But that second okay. that I want that mandrel to go get me something, he's going to pop that hoodie off, he's going to bear those fangs, he can steal anything, and you're not going to do shit about it. I am going to be stealing stuff left and right with my trained mandrel baboon that's going to just come out of nowhere. He's going he's gonna to walk around on the streets in a hoodie. You're not even going to know he's there. And then that's going to come out. He's, got, he's dexterous because he's a baboon. He's going to go steal stuff. It's just... Was that the same kind that stole your iPhone when you were No, that was, that, that was a Southern African baboon. Different. Look at but, those teeth, baby. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I've got that How going on. How big is your tent, Forrest? What do you have? One of those house tents? It's, they're not that big of an animal. They're not, they're not enormous. I mean, I, I'm not going to quote their great weight because I don't too. know. But, I, you know, look, that's just, you're not going to know. And when the police come to raid, you're going to put a hoodie on him. Nobody's even going to know he's there. You're going to be fine. So, mandrel baboon, first pick, great thief. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> aggressive, very scary. My second pick, okay. who has to live with myself and my mandrel, is, hmm, let's see. Just in case, so here's the thing, as a, as a homeless person, I still want companionship, you know? And although yes. I have my mandrel baboon, my guess is he's gonna be a little testy, probably not the best cuddle bug in the world. So my play on companionship is, uh, it's different. It's not, it's not the uh, I want a cuddly puppy. Instead, I'm gonna get a mouse lemur, an adorable, <laughs> tiny little nocturnal <laughs> lemur that okay. I can walk around the streets of LA with and because all of the women that I've ever met in certain parts of Los Angeles don't know the difference between a dog and a cat, I have no doubt that they wouldn't know the difference between a mouse lemur and a very cute chihuahua. They'd think it's adorable. I'd marry probably Paris Hilton and move into her mansion because I would have a mouse lemur. That's good logic. Yep. Then I wouldn't be homeless okay. anymore. Look at, that thing. Look at that. Look at that. Look at it. Look at the mouse lemur it's for a second. It's very cute. It's so cute. It is. Good God. <laughs> this will be controversial because you two are assholes and always glad hand and pet each other's asses. 
But I want real companionship and potentially to start a family and have my child play in professional sports. <laughs> so I will be bringing my girlfriend with me. She's an animal. There's animal. We're animals. Humans. Oh, come we on. We are in the mammalia animal kingdom. Woof. So I will have my wild bobcat, my girlfriend, and then finally... Nope. nope. I'm not up yet. Not how that works. Still oh, doesn't yeah. know. Still I, doesn't I forgot. Know. I'm in the middle. I forgot I'm in the middle. I know how it works. God, I hate you. <laughs> All right. So I've got my protection and my condiments covered with my honey badger. <laughs> Your condiments. Um, now, the next thing I want to take care of is I've got to find a way to just get myself some, some cold, hard cache yep. to get out of this scenario that I'm in. Yep. There's a very famous Instagram influencer named Doug the Pug. Okay? It's a cute pug. They put sweaters on it. Uh, Doug the Pug makes millions of dollars a year for his owners with his quips and calendars and things he sells. Well, he doesn't. His, the person that That's what I said for his does. owners. So, yeah, but, I mean, you're, if you own them, you're not going to be able to do anything. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have a pygmy slow loris. Now, this is going to work threefold. One, they're nocturnal. So am I. We'll be up together. <laughs> tons of companionship. True. Two... I'm going to start small by basically night. doing one of those things on the street where you can take a picture with my cute slow loris and, uh, you know, give me five bucks for it. Look at that thing. It's, Look adorable. At it. it's pretty damn it's cute. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So now I'm getting five bucks, ten bucks, enough to buy a cell phone, an iPhone. Once I have enough for that, I'm going to start an Instagram account, put cute little sweaters on my slow loris and make millions I will be living in a beachside bluff in Malibu within <laughs> two years. Uh, so that's, I've got my honey badger, my slow loris. They're well-trained. I'm going to sort of tear a page out of her Tep's book. Okay. I'm going to take a domestic cat named Lemley, <laughs> who, uh, who has been my companion for 12 years. Uh, could never abandon Lemley. She has to come that's live fair. in the tent with me. Um, not going to be super useful. of your will, no. isn't it? Um, she's a terror at night. Uh, she is fully nocturnal as well. I will not get a lot of sleep sleeping in a tent with Lemley, but uh, or, that's or be the my slow loris or the honey badger. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, yeah. Tep, you've got your girlfriend and your bobcat. What's next? All right, so finally, just you know, it can get it can be rough being homeless, especially in LA. There's a lot of uh, controversy, people fighting. I think things. I think a civil war might happen soon here. I don't really know. But if I'm in the tent and, uh, you know, things just get too hard to handle and you know what? I just want to end it all. I'm just going to keep an inland taipan in a cage in my uh, in my tent. And it's if like a cyanide wrong, pill. I will smash it open and it can come out and kill me, my girlfriend and my bobcat. Wow. That's, that's lovely. Morbid. <laughs> yeah, that is just absolutely morbid. Um, it's that's, rough out there. That's, it's that's tough beautiful. out there. Okay. That's a beautiful thought. All right. Yeah, good, <laughs> good for you, Retap. <laughs> Let, just, just give me a call when we're done with this. We'll talk ahead. through a few things. Um, no, I, yeah. I'm not, I don't have suicidal ideation. I'm just saying if I was homeless, I'd kill myself with a taipan. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. You, it makes tons of sense. Um, all right. Okay. So in my tent... I have my mandrel baboon that I tend to dress up as a person so he can get away with crimes while he steals things. I have my mouse lemur that I'm going to use as girlfriend bait. Finally, in case none of my other two ploys work, in case my mandrel can't steal everything, he gets arrested or euthanized, in case my mouse lemur play just doesn't work because he's actually not as cute as I thought, I don't know. I've got 
and I've got an ace in the hole. Now here's the thing, it is gonna be a crowded tent, but my third and final animal is a southern tamandua, and I'll explain why. Because if I'm gonna live as a homeless person, I don't wanna live in a tent city. I don't care for that, I like space. I'm always on Zillow. I was on Zillow till 1.30 in the morning last night looking at 10-acre properties in, in the Carolinas. It makes no sense. I won't do it, but I was looking at them. And the reason <laughs> that I'm getting a southern tamandua is because it has the smelliest anal gland in the world. Think a skunk on steroids. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this my little tamandua. Just, just pay attention yep. here. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Okay. I'm going to set him out the right. tent and be like, clear the village. He's just going to go out there. He's going to lift up his tail, just spray down all the other peeps. And although I'm living on Skid Row, I'm getting the nicest spot, the best view. I got no neighbors. You know, before you know it, my, my homeless encampment might even be worth a pretty penny. And that's why I'm going. I for know that guy. for a fact that that won't work because I've passed many a tent that have human shit on all sides <laughs> of it here in LA. And people seem to just walk around it and not even notice. So that is a bad pick, sir. Oh, I thought it was very clever. Well, for those of you who are turned off by us theoretically making light of the ongoing <laughs> homeless crisis, you know, that's sort of what you get on this podcast. It We're is. not sorry. We don't apologize for anything. Uh, yeah. It's a bit of fun. Don't be so goddamn offended by shit, America. Yeah, our our, so our Brosners our, our aren't serious like that, though. No. No, I was, I was forced into this battle royale, I'd just like to say. Uh, Pat picked it. He wrote it. He not true. clearly Doesn't hates matter. homeless people. He uh, will never be homeless. Look, hey, this was a blast. It was I, great. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I want to know what the Brosners think. Weigh in. Let us know who would be your three homeless encampment pets and why. Let us know who won our battle. And, Ritep, where can the people find us? Go to uh, thewildtimespodcast.com forward slash info to find all the links to everything the uh, the YouTube, the listen on Apple, iTunes, Google, everywhere you can listen to an audio podcast. And then, of course, again, on YouTube, the Patreon will be up within the next week and a half, week, week and a half. And uh, you will have more exclusive content, more stuff there. The link will also be there to the Patreon at thewildtimespodcast.com forward slash info. Is that good enough? Assholes. That was good. Also, well don't done. forget, you can see more if you go to OnlyFans.com slash The Human Potato. It is Ritep's new OnlyFans account. It's a beautiful, yep. beautiful, very elegant page. Um, he's trying to make a living. Don't judge him. Check it out there as well. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Have fun at rugby.